Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. If you are a parent running a business with kids running around at your feet and are wondering, how in the world can I get anything productive done around here when I have to tend to these mini-me's who are constantly vying for my attention? If that's you, then Juliana Ong could teach you a trick or two of how to coach your kids and give you the space to be both an amazing business owner and an amazing parent. And it's actually much simpler than you might think. And that's right, I did say coach your kids because coaching is the art of guiding others to be independent thinkers, independent doers, and independent feelers. And isn't that our job as parents? Other than making sure they survive, but we want them to do more than survive. We want them to thrive. Now, Jules is a play parenting coach, and she runs a business with her husband and homeschools their three girls. And after our conversation about how children learn and the role parents play in that, I drew many connections to what Jules was saying and how when your business or organization might feel like your baby, how sometimes we can coddle it or allow it to stir up more anxiety than is necessary. So why don't we go ahead and listen to the chat, and then at the end, I'm going to share the three lessons I learned from Jules that every leader should know. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do bringing out the best in others. I'm Jen Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make. And have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so 
Let's get down to business. Hey, Jules, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. You're coming from Australia, right? That's right. Let's go ahead and let the listeners know who Jules is and what you believe in and how you serve your people. Awesome. So my name is Jules and I am a play parenting coach. And so basically I am all about helping parents discover the magic of, I guess, child-led play and child-led learning. So I help parents to see how they could help their children to play independently on their own and um, how to actually help them to just learn effortlessly through play and just basically doing everyday life together. So, um, well, I, I believe in family, obviously, um, with, my, with my own um, family as well. Like family is a huge value for us. And it's the reason why we do what we do as well, because we believe that um, family is just so important, the foundation of society. And so we want to do our part to help just families have that kind of um, connection with their children, be more intentional as, as, as parents, and to just have that kind of um, wonderful family life and wonderful memories. So that's what I'm all about. And um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So what drives that for you? your family values? I guess it's just my upbringing and my husband's upbringing as well. We are both really blessed to have just been raised in families where family is a big part of both our lives. Like, so my, my husband is really close to his family and I'm really close to my family growing up as well. And so we, we've just been raised with this whole um, value of how family is our core value. It's number one. It's important to us. And so even before we, you know, got married, and all, we, we chose each other because, you know, we knew the other person valued family as well. And so that's the kind of value that we want to pass on to our children as well. Like for us, we always talk about how our family is very important. You know, um, kindness is number one in our house and, and things like that. Like the family relationships, um, how, how can we love each other better? How can we um, just do better for each, for each other? Mm. Yes. yes, I love that. Yeah, because I'm holding the challenge, this challenge called communicate mm-hmm. to build relationships. And yeah. that is a lot, a big basis for me as well, because to be able to instill that in our children early on, that mm-hmm. kindness is important. And that, I mean, that goes along with empathy, right? Yeah. So how does that lead in with this child-led play? Well, so child at play came about because um, in, in the whole play industry, I guess, it is very common. Well, I, I need to tell a little bit more about my upbringing in terms of play as well. So from where I grew up, play has always been seen as a, um, a rest, rest time, right? Leisure time where you engage in um, playful activities after you do your more important work. So, you know, after you've done all your work, your homework, and then you play, right? It comes after but then, um, so I, I grew up in Singapore, actually, that's where my background is. But then I moved to Australia uh, more than 10 years ago now, where I did my um, degree in early years, and I discovered the importance of playing, the value of play. And I was just mind blown about how when children are just engaged in everyday child-led play, they are just constantly learning as well. Like my mind was just open when I saw how much that um, children were learning when they were just playing. And I guess I sought to bridge the gap between my culture and what I have been led to believe about play as well as what I have learned by myself from from my professional um, studies, from my um, professional experience in the classroom, and then even raising my own kids as well, where I have just, you know, let them play, you know, 
and just seeing how much they're learning every single day because as a homeschooling family, I people are always asking me, oh, Jules, do you do any um, curriculum with your kids, you know, to, to ensure that they're meeting all the standards? But no, my, my children are... Even though we're homeschooling, um, they have never, I've never used any curriculum with them whatsoever. It's just beer, play and everyday life. And even then, just the other day, I was just checking the standards to make sure that we're kind of on the right track. And I realized that my child was just meeting all the standards and even beyond. And so that was just amazing for me to see, I guess. Like I don't do this for the validation in terms of just checking, but it was still amazing to see that um, even without um, having all those structured learning activities, um, I had the confidence that my girl was still learning. So yeah, that yes. was really good for me. I'm very aligned with that because we're a homeschooling family too. Uh, yeah. My boys are, they're in high school now and they kind of outsmarted me. So they are going to a public school now. But um, I was a huge proponent for yeah. what's called unschooling here. Have you heard of that? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. And basically that was child-led learning and because I am a type seven on the Enneagram, I like things to be fun. So the more I could put it into a game and make it playful, the more fun it was for me as the teacher. And of course it was going to be fun for them as the student. And um, one of the things that I've heard you say, and I've read on your website, website, your um, social media. (laughs) Yeah. With following you is that kids are capable of playing on their own. We don't need to sit down and play with them and they learn in that. And they're abs, you're absolutely right. They're so fascinating. Um, I did want to ask how close are your methods to like the Montessori method? Um, I would say that I take inspiration from Montessori, but because as a, um, as part of my training to become a preschool teacher, we have to learn all these different educational philosophies and theories, you know, from different child development um, theories. And so I have just taken bits and pieces of all the different philosophies that I have been exposed to and just kind of incorporated into it my own, which I call authentic learning, basically, like just real learning through everyday life. So that's pretty much, um, yeah, what I call um, when people ask me, how, what philosophy do you follow? I say, um, I don't really follow one particular one. I take inspiration from everywhere and I kind of created my own. That's awesome. That's perfect. I love it. <laughs> Very creative as well. And when you do that, just for business owners who are listening to this, when you are able to make connections of everything that you've learned and pull it together for something that's your own and be different. That's really what sets us apart. Sets us apart as people and it sets our business apart, which makes us more successful. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree because I think for the longest time, as I was growing my business, I guess I was just kind of stuck in the whole play play mentality. And I always had this um, imposter syndrome because like obviously in the play circles, there are so many different accounts talking about the value of play. And I was like, hmm, where do I, where, where do I come in here? Like, does the world really need to hear one more person talking about play? But then I realized I really needed to tap into who I was and really harness my own background and all that as well. Because obviously I the people who already talk about play, they have experienced play, the value of play from young, from birth as part of, um, especially in Australia, where um, play is a huge deal in Australia, in many families and just parents in particular, Australian parents just play with their kids from birth. 
But from where I was, it wasn't the case. And so I needed to tap into that whole part of my personality and part of my culture, part of my upbringing as well, where I was from and, and just drawing that bridge to, to where I am now and helping parents like me to see what is possible for them as well. Even if you've come from a background where play is not seen as learning. Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself, much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. Now you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yes, I love that. So, so you call your your social media account is called stories of play. How did you come yes. up with that name? Oh, well, because I am a storyteller. Like right, my husband always tells me how I can never, when I talk about events or I talk about things, I can never just keep things concise. Gosh, it's so honestly so hard to write captions for social media because there's always that limit where I don't know how many characters there are, but I always ramble and I talk a lot. And so it's, so, it's such a challenge for me to fit into those characters limited by um, social media. And, and so I think uh, starting a podcast um, might be a better idea for me where I can just ramble on and talk. But basically, Stories of Play came about because I really just wanted to tell people and share with people the stories behind play. Because sometimes Instagram, uh, that's where my main social platform is. Instagram is such a um, visual platform where people just look at a picture and then they go like, oh, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words, right? That's what we often hear. But the truth is just, taking a snapshot of a child's play in an instant, you actually don't even know what's going on without all that stories that come behind it because just a snapshot, people just look at it and think, oh, that's amazing. Or maybe they look at, at something that doesn't look very amazing and think, oh, you know, my child is, is not playing well. He's making a mess. Yeah, just, um, just not doing something that is meaningful, right? But, but the fact is when I am able to, you know, um, put a story to it and tell people, hey, you know, even though it looks like it's nothing, here is what he is learning. Here is what his thought process is. Here is what I've observed him or her doing. 
that helps parents to see that, wow, play is actually so meaningful. It's actually so valuable. And the, the children are really actually learning when they play. And so that was why I came up with Stories of Play because I wanted to, I guess, really show parents the behind the scenes of um, a snapshot. So, yeah. can, you, can you share one of those stories? All, all the time. It happens all the time because um, I think the biggest thing for parents when it comes to supporting play is the mess, right? And so they look at a mess and think that a child is just, yeah, basically just making a mess. And so I remember actually when my firstborn was about 18 months old, right? And the biggest thing I hear from parents is my child can only play for two minutes or, you know, he just comes and dumps everything out and he leaves and then he dumps something else. And so there was once I remember really clearly this post that I posted of um, my child just um, a basket of, um, of fruits, um, wooden fruits, right? And so I put that picture up and basically if, anyone who sees that picture of a basket of fruits, they wouldn't have thought anything different about it. But the truth is, it was a very, um, uh, how do I say? It wasn't, because that, that the whole play happened so quickly that I could not even take a picture of it in time. So that picture, it was very beautiful. I actually um, created that scene after the play to take a photo of it so that I could tell the story of it. But what happened was, my daughter had actually taken a basket and she had helped herself to um, wooden fruits from our play shelf. And so she was intentionally putting the fruits onto her, into, into the basket. And then she walked around and then she actually um, like just pretended to um, pay for the fruits. And then she started doing the, the swiping action. Like, and then she even made the sound like, tee -tee, right? And then she, she scanned her fruits. Tee -tee -tee. And then after that, like pretty much, that play just ended and then she left and she did something else. And then I told that story because I wanted to tell parents that, hey, my child is also a child who only plays for two minutes and she goes off. But the thing is, in that two minutes of play, she was showing me how she was making sense of experiences that she has experienced in her life, right? So she has obviously been um, exposed to shopping experiences. She has obviously seen... Um, the way that mommy and daddy go shopping and now she's trying to make sense of what this shopping experience is by actually acting it out in her play, right? And if I wasn't paying so close attention, if I wasn't watching her in that two minutes, I would have completely missed it. And if I had just came back into the playroom without seeing that play, I would have just seen the, 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 the basket of fruits just thrown on the floor. And now I have just thought, oh, you know, here we go. She's just emptied out a basket of, of toys on the ground and just made a mess for me, you know. And that's the reason why I tell the story because that two minutes was so valuable. And what I often tell parents is every two minutes, don't discount the foundational work. Don't discount the every two minutes of play that our children are engaged in because they all add up and they eventually from two minutes become five minutes and seven and ten and now like my children are so good at playing independently they can play for over an hour and and that started with the very first two minutes that I didn't discount so yeah wow <laughs> that is amazing and I I love just the intentionality yes and honestly <laughs> If I'm honest, in the beginning, when I let my children play on their own, it was because I was tired and because I was lazy. <laughs> but what I have learned by observation, because you know my story, my, my firstborn was diagnosed with autism, so he didn't play on his own. So yeah, when yeah. my second born came along and started play, I was fascinated by all the stuff that he was able to do on his own. 
because my first one didn't do that. Yes. He kind of kept to himself, but I was like, oh, that's, I, I remember he, my, my younger, he was probably two or three and he was fast. He just runs all over the place. And one day he was running and he stopped right in front of me, reached into his little pocket, pulled out something pretend, put it in my hand and then kept running. And I was like, oh, that's what pretending is. So it was super fascinating to me to be yep. able to, to watch it. And maybe because of my, my first child, I um, have that discrepancy that it, it brought out that awe and wonder and curiosity in me as the parent to see the difference. But I just remember asking him, I was like, I said, what did you give me? And he said, ice cream. Oh, <laughs> and that's then so I knew, amazing. Then I knew to, you know, to lick it. But, but yes, that, that was probably 30 seconds. It wasn't quite two minutes. So the rest of the two minutes was him running around like a tornado, but it's finding those little moments. like Yes, exactly. Right. Yep. It's so, it's so important to see those moments because it's, it's seeing those moments that will actually encourage you to keep on looking out for those moments. It's like one leads to another because the more you see, the more you want to look out for more because you you are just like, wow, this is so cool. Let me look, see if I can look out for more. And so that's what I help parents do. Yeah, that's great. I love, I love that there's an official play parenting coach person that you can go to, right? Because <laughs> this, is, this doesn't come naturally to every personality. No. Um, every personality type. I could imagine that um, some of the more withdrawn, more inter- introverted personalities yeah, yeah. would have a harder time yeah, um, for sure. knowing intuitively how to yeah. play parent. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I guess. Play parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parent playfully. <laughs> yes, parent playfully. And for a type seven, play is a lot of, you know, it's kind of important. So it's a core yeah. value. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as far as your experience with the Enneagram goes, how yeah. long have you been studying the Enneagram? Well, I have been hearing bits and pieces from people, but I've never really um, wanted to know it enough, I guess, to do, do my own research. Um, but, well, I've got a sister-in-law who recently, dis- not recently, uh, maybe a couple of years back now, and she was one of those um, people who, when she discovered something and, and, and it was exactly like, because I did your mini course, um, she was um, telling me about how, oh my goodness, this is so life-changing. You know, it has completely changed the way that I relate to my husband and it's completely changed the way that I, I look at things and all that. And so she was just so passionate about it. And I was like, oh, what is this thing going on? Because I do love knowing more about myself. So I, I, I love um, doing personal, personality tests. So um, I mentioned it to you before that I, I took Maya Briggs. I like doing that and I like to do... Um, love languages as well so that I can figure out what's my love language so I like doing that but I I kind of figured that oh you know what I think I I kind of know myself really well now like I didn't know the Enneagram but then when my sister-in-law went and told me about how she has um, completely revolutionized her marriage you know and seen such good results with her parenting I was intrigued I was intrigued because you know when someone talks about something so passionately 
and um, you can see how it has changed their lives as well. You're like, hmm, I wonder what's going on here. And so that really made me um, dig a little bit into it. And so not too much, just a little bit here and there. And then when I discovered you um, in the business group that we are part of, I was like, wow, there are people who actually just teach this thing. I was like, wow, that's that must mean that a lot of people are actually interested enough to want to learn about it, isn't it? And so, yeah, so that got me a little bit again. So I guess it was more, there wasn't a particular moment for me where I really wanted, but it was more like just little, little steps from just different encounters that I've got with people um, um, that made me have this interest. And so I just started reading out a little bit more, just wanting to learn a little bit more about myself because I always, I always like learning more about myself and how I can improve the the way I do things, or uh, the, the way that I have my relationships with people around me. Mm. And so how's it helped you so far? Um, it's okay. It's okay because I, I'm not sure exactly if I am a, a, um, the type that I am because um, I've gone through your, your, your mini course and I was a little bit worried that I had mistyped myself. And so I'm now still in the process of trying to, I guess, read up because I think something that you said before was um, the importance of really reading through everything mm -hmm. and not just, you know, classifying yourself with one thing and just sticking to, to one, one type, I guess. So now I'm still in the process of really just discovering all the different, all the different types and see like, yeah, what, what I am and what really um, resonates, I guess, with what my core uh, motivations are. Yeah. So which one are you resonating with right now? I would say for now, unless you can tell me I'm wrong, but I think I'm a nine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm a nine. And um, I think that belongs in the, 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 red, the red zone. I think you've, in your free course, you've got three different zones, um, the red, green, and blue. So I think I'm in the red zone. So yeah. Yeah. So um, the, my husband is a nine. And yeah. uh, so it's, it's really, I won't say it's easy for me to spot because I'm not sure it's fair to say that you can spot a number because the Enneagram is based off of our motivations yeah. and uh, not our behaviors or our posture or our <laughs> um, any kind of visual yeah. cues, though sometimes sometimes it can help some, some visual cues. One of the things I'm trying to cultivate is reading people's energy and um, their posture, but it's not always accurate, which I have yeah. been discovering for myself um, with some of the interviews that I've had on the podcast, that it's not always a surefire thing. And so it really had to do with motivations. And what's fun about the type nine is because the type nine is the motivation is peace and harmony mm. what type nines are able to do is identify a little bit with each of the other eight types mm. and so i'm curious i'm i'm looking forward to hearing a follow-up from you when you've read all the all the other types um if you do see yourself in all of them now, to be fair, we all have every type in each of us, but the nines have an easier time identifying because as someone who wants to maintain the peace and harmony in a community, 
they have to be able to identify with each type in order to bring that energy together. So I call the nines, the, the energy chameleons, they can feel the energy of each of the nine types and, um, and then be able to bring them together in harmony. So I don't want to lead you if you're not sure yet that (laughs) if you're a nine or not. So, um, I'll just stop there until you finish your studies. And <laughs> but, but having said that, I feel like what I like what you said about the chameleon thing, um, because I feel like I have not to toot my own horn here, but I feel like I have the ability to really empathize and really put my, myself in the shoes of just people around me, even though like, so for instance, let's just talk about um, love languages. Like my love language is quality time. And my lowest is, is um, gifts. I, I really don't care about gifts whatsoever. But then like, I know there are people in my life who are gifts. And, and so I'm, I'm just able to, I always remind my husband, you know, and oh, you know, we need to get gifts for this person, this person, even though I'm not a gifts person, because I know that there are people who would feel love a certain way. And so I guess that's my ability to be able to empathize and, and know how different people around me function, even though it's not the way I, I function, if that makes sense. And so I don't know if that would classify me as a nine, but that's really, I guess, one of my superpowers, I would say, my, just my ability to really feel how others would feel in their shoes. Yeah. And so, I mean, that is very common for a nine. So one question that you would ask yourself is, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to, to empathize with other people and, and walk in their shoes? Yeah, I guess because I want everyone to feel included and I want, I I don't want anyone to feel like left out and I want everyone to feel seen. I want everyone to feel heard. And so I I think that's my motivation. (laughs) So, so for, so we can go around the clock and, you know, for a one who could exhibit those same behaviors, they would want to do that because it's the right thing to do. Um, and for a two, they want to be seen as helpful and understanding and, um, and to be able to provide and nurture people. Um, and for three, it would just be the, the accomplishment of being able to toot their own horn (laughs) and say, I, I can do this. And I, and this is a skill and achievement that I have. Um, and so we could go around the clock and every person can do exactly what you said, put themselves in other people's shoes, but they do it for different reasons. And for a nine, it's because a nine, there's this theory that's called the lost childhood message. And for the nine, the lost childhood message is, is that I matter, that my presence matters. Yeah. And so when that, so somewhere along the way, the nine had it in their mind that their presence didn't matter. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a sad theory. <laughs> Not everybody believes in it, but there, you know, there are some um, good explanations for behaviors when you look at theories like that. But the Enneagram is only based off of motivations and it yeah. shows the patterns of behavior. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely see where you're coming from. And it's so fascinating now to really understand what you mean by how the Enneagram is really based off motivations. Because just now, even with the example that I gave earlier about empathizing and putting myself in other shoes, it just, it just got me now realizing that actually, hey, nine of us could actually be doing the same thing 
but we would be completely different people just because our motivations are different. And, and that is hard to see from, a, from an outsider's perspective because all nine of us would be, you know, empathetic, for instance, and it still doesn't tell us exactly what our core motivations are. And so that is, that is really mind-blowing for me. Absolutely. I'm glad you were able to, to glean that because yeah. even um, from you know, outside looking in, someone observing the behavior, it's actually also true that when we take an online test, we have a hard time seeing that for ourselves. We just see the behavior, but we don't always ask ourselves why. Yeah. So that's, that's why taking online, online tests just don't, don't, it doesn't serve the Enneagram well. You really mm. need somebody to ask you, well, why do you do that? Why do you yeah. do that? Because that's what I did for you. I said, yeah, why do you do that? It's easy to say, yes, that's a common trait for nines. Nines do that. But I can never know for sure until the question is asked, why? Mm. That's right. So cool. Wow. Yeah, it's super cool. So I bet you're going to be <laughs> studying the Enneagram when we get off of this call. I sure will. I sure will. And I'm going to get my husband to do it as well. <laughs> so anyway, this has been such a great conversation, Jules. I've enjoyed it so much. You, you just got a great personality. It's been fun talking to you. It's been so fun. Thank you for having me. Now, before you hop off, can you just make sure um, that people know how to get in touch with you online? If they need to know more information about play parenting, uh, child-led play, whatever we said we were calling it, <laughs> um, how, can, how can the folks find you? Right, so I'm mostly most active on um, Instagram. So that's where I hang out. That's where I serve my people. So you can find me on at stories of play. Check out my post and come say hi um, and connect with me because I love building relationships and um, community over on my Instagram account. Awesome. And I will link all of that in the show notes as well. All right, cool. Thank you. Right, thank you. Now here's what I learned from Jules about my business. Number one, observation. Jules talks about how if we don't take the time to observe what our children are learning, then we could miss it. We could miss out on that moment. And likewise, if you're on this treadmill of just doing, 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 doing in your business and not actually stopping to take the time of being, you might miss out on the real gold of what you are learning about yourself in your business. Number two, when you feel solely responsible for the success and failure of an entity, in Jules' case, your child, it can be so overwhelming and stressful. But you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, right? And why is that? Because you as the parent are still growing and maturing as a person. You need the wisdom of people who have gone before you, and you also need the perspective of other people that are in the same boat as you. And in that same way, you don't have to feel alone in business. Leadership's kind of lonely, isn't it, when you think about it? Because you feel like it's all on your shoulders and you're solely responsible to the success or failure of your business or your organization. And this is one of the best parts about being a part of a business mastermind that I love or a small group coaching program like my Get Connected to Your Business program. You don't have to 
feel alone. Not only do you get the support of the tactics of running your business, but you also get the personal development support as well. So you don't have to be alone. The third lesson I learned was child-led play. This is the main premise of Jules' methodology is child-led play. And likewise, running your business should be you-led play because business is all about experimenting and discovering who you are, who you are as a person, who you are as a business owner, and who you are as a leader, and also who you're not. And if you're not doing that in a playful way, it's going to be so much more stressful. You want it to be less stressful, more playful, so you're actually enjoying what you're learning on your journey. That's the difference between having a stressful journey and having an amazing journey. Remember to always be first and then do. In that order, it's always more effective because you want to be as in unbox yourself and then do as in unleash your power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.